Welcome to Beyond BIM. Many organizations are contemplating the digital twin journey and perhaps wondering what the transition might look like from BIM to digital twins. Yet, very few know what resources and tools are available to begin designing a digital twin that can help close the loop of occupant feedback into building designs. We've all come across Autodesk Forge, but what about Dasher? Dasher has evolved and is creating that stepping stone that is much needed towards digital twins, particularly with Autodesk products. Today's episode, I'm pleased to bring to you a discussion with Keen Walmsley on the exciting emerging technology developments and R&D projects from Autodesk Research Lab. Keen is a software architect working on projects that integrate IoT data with BIM via the Forge platform, as well as working on generative designs in the AEC space. He has worked various roles and in various countries during his career in Autodesk, including building and managing teams of software developers in Europe, the Americas and the Asia Pacific. Keen engages regularly with Autodesk's developer and computational design communities, providing technical content and insights into the technology evolution. I first came across his presentation in the most recent AI in AEC conference and want to hear more directly from him. So, without further ado, let's hear more directly from Keen on some of the exciting R&D developments from Autodesk Research Labs. Okay, so thank you, Keen, for agreeing to participate in my podcast, Beyond BIM. Now, you were recently a keynote speaker at the AI in AEC conference, Can you elaborate more on the synergy between generative design and improved building operations? I believe that was the topic that you presented on. So can you perhaps give us a bit of insight whether we're anywhere closer to closing the loop between building design and operations? Yes, absolutely. Well, I mean, I can provide an answer. Not yes, we're getting closer. We we are getting closer, but I think it's gradual. Um, and by the way, thank you very much for inviting me to to be part of this. It's a nice opportunity to to get to know you and so to share some of the work that I'm working on. So yeah, I mean, from my side, I'm I'm most interested really in in the sort of synergy between take you know between historical operations data and generative design so this idea of of, of taking um, building performance data and using that in some way to feed the the generative process or the, you know the process where we're going to let's let's say you know auto automatically create a number of designs or or um, optimize designs based on algorithms and data so you know the 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 sort of first big project that Autodesk Research did in this space was it's the it's the Mars project we talk about, and this is the 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 um, off office the Autodesk office in Toronto. So Mars stands for medical and related sciences, medical and related sciences, not not the planet, and it's the you know Mars Discovery District, uh, okay. which is really a a, a big um, the largest urban 
technology accelerator or incubator in North America. So it's it's really a, an impressive place. Lots of big companies and small companies have offices there. So there's a lot of energy there. So Autodesk wanted to to have an office there. Um, and as such, we wanted to kind of showcase our design technology um, to, to lay it out. So this was our first big test of um, the use of generative design for architectural layout problems. Mm -hmm. So David Benjamin, um, who had been brought in to Autodesk Research at the time, he heads up the, the living, um, head, headed the project. And their team, uh, you know, they, they took data from all sorts of places. They took data from HR, from facilities. They took data from the employees themselves. You know, they asked the employees, well, what do you need from a workspace? And so people did their best to respond. You know, sometimes they don't always tell you what they really need, but they tell you what they think they need. Um, so there's all this kind of subjective data that they, they took all this data. And when they were generating the various designs, they, they um, validated or, the, or they, they, yeah, they tested the designs based on the data that had been provided to see whether these designs sort of fit the requirements of the, of the, um, the people who are going to be using it. So that's one aspect of already we've started to take data um, into the generative design process. But where I'm interested in, what, what I'm most interested in, because I'm more focused on the digital twin side of it, if you like, or the, the you know, the the projects where we're collecting data from buildings and visualizing it in 3D. You know, I'm really interested in the opportunity to take that data into the generative process as well. So it could be um, performance of, of the of the space um, in terms of comfort and various things, but could also be, you know, how the occupants have used the space. You know, we can we're we're using cameras to sort of assess, you know, understand how people are, are using a space. So one thing that we could we can start to do is to is to understand how changes to the space will affect people's behaviors in the space and how they'll you know make use of it. So that's very interesting. And I think that you know we could get to the point even where theoretically your crunch, you know, the generative process is running constantly or on a daily basis and reconfiguring a space based on the anticipated needs of the of the people who are coming in the next day say a co-working space you know the whole the whole place could reconfigure itself mm. between you know overnight ready for the people coming in the next day so i think there's some really i mean this is a bit far, you know far-fetched physical world reconfiguring itself yeah okay based, based on the the you know what the what the system believes that will, you know, will best meet the needs of, of, you know, the projected needs of the people who are coming in, mm -hmm. you know, the people who have registered to come into the co-working space, mm -hmm. um, you know, they'll, some of them may have large, need large conference spaces, you know, for presentations, some of them may need small meeting rooms, you know, a lot of this could be potentially kind of configured on the fly um, mm -hmm. based on, some automatic process well you know again a little a little out there but but we're starting to make baby steps um so the back to your original question are we are we moving towards this now i, I do think we are but it's okay. but we're still quite early on in this process of connecting this data into um into the the a more generative um, design process yeah. yeah and you guys are obviously doing this in a research setting but do you 
do you then have examples, kind of flagship examples of success? You mentioned the the Mars project, but yeah. are there any others where you've seen that the occupants' data and data about how they use that space can then be translated into the design tools that are then used to design a building that's similar to those spaces, for example? Yeah, so... Um in, with the specific example of Mars, we we had a a, a follow up project. Um, you know, it was always our, our dream to really do sort of proper pro- post occupancy feedback. Uh, you know, post occupancy analysis of the space to say, well, were there some assumptions that we made in the original um, generative design model valid, and do we need to? Is there something we need to do to get them closer to reality? Now we have done that to some degree. Um, it's it. We'd originally hoped to have kind of a, a an app on people's phones where they can start to sort of you know provide feedback on on the facilities. We didn't get to get, didn't get there. But one thing we did do was to sort of analyze, as I said, sort of set up some cameras for a, for a limited time in a certain space. Again, when you have cameras, people you know do get a bit nervous and they have to opt in. But we were you know using an interesting technique, which which is something that I did talk about briefly on, during the the AI and AC keynote, which which extracts these anonymized skeletons from video footage and essentially positions these these three these skeletons in a 3D space and you can start to to reason about the the type of activities that people are performing in a space based on the configuration of it. Um, so that does help with some of the issues we have related to anonymity but all the same you know we we only did that for a for a um brief period we didn't do that for a an extended you know or you know a permanent sort of setting i would say um but yeah i don't know if i've really answered your question in that sense you know we have them so we have done some follow-up work for the mars project um we are you know, we work. We have some other projects more on the manufacturing side, where we have some digital twins. Where you know, looking more at a, at a, at a process. Um, and it, we, this is also early stage work, but again, where where we'll measure the the quality of a manufacturing process and feed that data back into the tool to allow people to make better decisions or ultimately sort of influence the generative design process as well. So that that's really. You know, there is going to be somebody involved in that process, whether they're curating a set of generative designs or whether they're just taking the data and using it to design. So that there's, I think there's going to be a sort of some some stepping stones before we 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 get to the point where we're really influencing generative design directly. Mm-hmm. And you already briefly mentioned digital twins there, but. Would you say that digital twins are feasible for smaller organizations? Because we hear a lot about digital twins, but we also realize that, of course, the cost of deploying digital twins is very expensive, at least from what we can gather from manufacturing and aviation. Yeah. So how can organizations start their journey and is it feasible for smaller organizations? So, so I mean, we started our first, you know, we started our work on digital twins in the built environment. I mean, people weren't really referring to them as digital twins at the time. We'd, I'm not even sure if people were using the term IoT at the time. You know, this was late t- 2009. Um, we had the, well, the, or the people who started the project sort of had the insight that, um, you know, it's the cost of 
storage for data is coming down. The, the cost of sensors is coming down. So they're becoming more and more ubiquitous. It'll just be easy to put sensors everywhere inside a building and just capture that data and store it and then start to do meaningful things with it. Um, so we, you know, again, we started that way back in, in 2009. Um, at the time, we were, you know, running cables down on a, you know, hands and knees, um, you know, installing all the, the networking stuff that we needed to make it work, having Raspberry Pis plugged into power with sense. I mean, all this low level stuff that you really, you know, and then writing software to, to, to send the data from the Raspberry Pis into our, into our database. Um, we built our own database. I mean, not completely our own, but we took a, we took a number of different open source databases over the years and sort of broke each one and then eventually settled on one that, that, that scaled for our, for our needs. Um, so, you know, we went through that whole process, which is a time consuming and, and, and costly process. There's no doubt. It was always our, our expectation that, that things would commoditize further so that eventually we'd be in a position where our, you know, analysis or visualization capabilities could be plugged in to some system that was provided by someone else. And it's, and it's, we're getting to that point, you know, where Azure Digital Twins is, you know, is on the market. Um, AWS, the AWS IoT offering is also there where people can start to build their, their own digital twins. It is getting easier, but it's not quite yet sort of plug and play. You know, we're doing explorations with both of those platforms to see how our visualization technology can play a role. Um, but I will say that both of those players and probably others as well are, are you know, investing a huge amount in sort of making it easier for companies to start to, to deploy their own digital twins. I don't think anybody can realistically do it today without some software expertise and sort of software development expertise, mm -hmm. or unless I, you know, there's something that I don't know about, but mm -hmm. in it is getting getting more commoditized and more straightforward. Right. And I guess what Autodesk has done, of course, is followed in a similar suit to try and make it easier. So, yeah. uh, for instance, with Autodesk Forge, how could organizations perhaps start on their journey with digital twins with Autodesk Forge and what could they expect as a result of using it? Right. So this this is an interesting one because, I mean, when when... I joined the research team in 2016, I want to say, at the beginning of 2016. So I, I was asked to look into whether uh, we could take Dasher, which was this, you know, so Project Dasher is our uh, digital twin technology, the, 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 again, the one we started back in 2009. At the time, it was a desktop application. So it was, you know, it had its, had its own graphics engine, you know, had to read and write from, from BIM data files. Um, there's a lot of complexity that had to be managed. So the suggestion was that I would explore um, an early version of Forge. It was called the View and Data API at the time. We hadn't branded it as Forge. But I'd already done previous projects with the API. And so I said, yeah, that sounds really interesting. So I essentially built this Forge-based version along with, with a couple of other colleagues, um, you know, and, and building on a lot of the work that had been done previously in the desktop version of Dasher, because we could reuse some of the code as well. Uh, we built out this Forge-based version of, of uh, Dasher, uh, which really allows you to explore um, 
building performance data in a 3D context. So it allows you to to do animate heat maps for a, the fl- the floor a floor of a building over time. Uh, add in data around occupancy where you can see people moving around, so you can get a sense for how that's affecting these heat maps, whether it's for CO2 or temperature or humidity, etc. So all of that is really a powerful way to sort of get people to to consume a lot of data. I'm sorry, this is a little bit long-winded, but I will get to the point. But in and the that's end, Dasher, right? You're describing <laughs> that is, Dasher. It's Dasher, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, but but because we we started to show Dasher and to talk about Dasher, and people started to ask us for for Dasher, so the Forge team um, took an interest and they said, "Well, actually, there, there is something here. Let's see what we can build into Forge." So, um, over the last year and a half or so, maybe even a bit more. The Forge Viewer team has been taking pieces of Dasher and building them into the Forge Viewer. So, uh, as of a week or two ago, there's a um, a, a technology. It's codenamed Project Hyperion, but essentially there is a. It, externally, we're calling it the Data Visualization Extension. So this is. Um, a re-engineered uh, set of components based on the work we did in Dasha that will allow Forge developers to build um, their, di- their digital twin. And there is a, a full, you know, reference application based on React, which, you know, people who, who have strong web web, uh, web development skills will be able to take a look at it and, you know, they'll be able to get running really quickly. Um, so that is kind of the, the story with Forge, that there is this... It, visualization extension that was I'm happy to say was was heavily inspired by the work we did on Dasha that is in the hands of Forge developers um, right now and we have um, every month or so the Forge team holds an accelerator where people can sign up and come along and spend a week um, getting up to speed with Forge and just sort of starting to build their first application whether it's a digital twin or something else um, so that's I think it's usually about the third week of every month so we just had one last week the 22nd to the 26th i think um and there'll be another one that same week in april i guess and um, so if i understood correctly then uh forge is going to be embedding the work that you've done with dasher into it is that correct? yes they've taken pieces of what we've done inside dasher so we've taken the timeline they've taken the ability to show sensor locations um, a sprite so you can hover over them and bring up a tooltip yeah. they've they've taken the heat map capability as well but you know in they've, they've uh, you know dasha for um all its strengths is is a research project is really a prototype so we I, i'm very happy that they went and they took what made sense to take but they really engineered it in a way that they can continue to develop and support over time mm-hmm. um, and at some point i'll probably go ahead and take what they've done and build it into Dasher so I can rip out a load of old code, um, which I think would 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 be also be a good test of of what they've what they've created. Fantastic. Yeah. That's really exciting to hear actually. And um and I'm sure that many people who are considering the journey of digital twins in their organizations can also look into Forge and look forward to those new developments as well. So now we did briefly touch on digital twins, but now I'd want to go a little bit more abstract and and talk about how do you see the industry making a transition from BIM into digital twin? Is it a small step or a giant leap? Well, so 
again, I'll sort of talk about my own experience with this. When we started Dasha, actually every pilot project we've done with Dasha has started with the creation of an as-built BIM. You know, we've had to send people in, whether it's us or a contractor, to go in and essentially generate a high-quality as-built BIM for the space in order for us to, um, you know, to, to build a, a, a digital twin based in Forge around it. Now, that's just a moment in time as well, right? So, of course, as soon as it's been made, it's out of date because, you know, everything's continuing to change. So, this was always... a we always knew that this was a problem with the this whole BIM to digital twin journey. And it's one that we, we just, you know, from the research perspective, we decided not, not to address it because our focus was really on just pulling in IoT data and using interesting techniques to visualize and explore that data. So we kind of ignored that and just worked on this assumption that there's just going to be a good quality BIM available. Now, Luckily for us, in a sense, um, a year or two ago, uh, a separate incubation effort inside Autodesk was launched called, well, at the time it was called ConstructWin. It's now called Autodesk Tandem. Um, now, this is a, a, a platform or a product that, that really is, is trying to deliver on this promise of, of having BIM kind of live through from early stage design all the way through construction into operations. You know, that was always the, the vision for BIM is that it would, you know, it, it, it would just live on and it would be built on or there'd be versions of it for sure. And you'd have different filters of the data depending on what you needed. But ultimately, there'd be, I hate the term, but a single source of truth, right? Now, that didn't really work out because it, everything ended up being fragmented and things would get handed over, but then they'll be modified and it just, you know, things kind of got out of sync and it got, and it, and it just, I'm sure you're well aware, it's quite messy. Mm -hmm. But what Tandem is doing is, is really trying to sort of have a centralized database where you can, in, where, which can ingest data from Revit or, or wherever and sort of maintain this, um, this database that can be queried to get the right level of detail and, and is fundamentally the basis for a digital twin where you're starting to bring in IoT data as well. So it's really focused on the modeling um, aspects of it today. But over time, you know, so really, you know, how are we going to manage this massive data so that the so that it stays in sync with reality? So which, which is a large um, piece of building a digital twin. It's like maintaining a, a, a you know, a connection to reality. Mm -hmm. But I and but then later on I expect they'll hopefully take some of the work that we've done in Dasha or the this project Hyperion that I mentioned, the data visualization extension, and then start to build out a a feature where you're bringing in IoT data as well. So I think that there is it. So the that is also in beta now. So it's something that people can um, can sign up for and give it a try. It's called Autodesk yeah. Tandem. I can provide links to that, but yeah. you could probably just search for it as well. Um, but that I think is 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 making if it sort of fulfills its promise it'll turn a giant leap into a much smaller leap i mean it's still not i mean you still probably your feet will probably still have to leave the ground a little bit but it's not going to be um you know crossing this enormous you know chasm to get to the other side i think that it's it's making it a lot a lot more um feasible to go from bim to a to a functional digital twin yeah, I the first thing I thought of when you mentioned database was actually uh, 
originally, if I'm not mistaken, before it was called BIM, it was referred to as building database. So mm. it's really exciting how it's actually going back to its origins or how it was initially conceptualized by Eastman, mm -hmm. that it really is a buildings database that is just continuously updated throughout its lifetime. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I, I agree that, that that is great to see it come sort of full circle in that sense. Yeah. yeah. And uh, now digital twin is, of course, very exciting, but the concept itself is going to have a lot of different technologies that are needed to make it a reality and possibility. What are some of the exciting emerging technologies that we can expect to see more experimentation with from Autodesk and its research lab? Yeah, so, I mean... Autodesk Research is looking into a lot of different technology areas, I would say. Um, and, you know, and this, this ranges from, you know, XR to robotics to, you know, additive manufacturing or traditional, you know, milling, you know, subtractive. It's, you know, there, there's lots of work going on in terms of sort of hands-on applied technologies, more software-related technologies. Um, I think... Framing it slightly differently, I'd probably say, well, where I think one of the big opportunities is for applying digital twins as part of a, a process today. Um, you know, when I look at the work that's being done inside research at the moment, aside from the, this sort of digital twin work that we're focused on, I'm very excited by the work being done around industrialized construction, because I think we really need to... Um, fix the the construction process and and finding ways to make it a lot more um uh yeah industrialized i mean again that's just repeating myself a little bit is is the way or repeatable you know is lowering the cost and the effort doing a lot lot more sort of off-site fabrication um i think that there's a lot of technologies that kind of come into play there and for sure um digital twins will play a role as well so we are doing an early um, collaboration with a, a company in the US called Factory OS, um, and we will be deploying various technologies there that relate to industrialized construction, whether it's you know generative design, um, digital twins. I have a feeling there'll be some robots there somewhere as well. Um, but yeah, so there's 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 a lot of opportunity there to to streamline the construction process and and make a big difference with it. Yeah. Interesting. I guess in a manufacturing setting as well, it will become a lot easier to deploy some of those emerging technologies. Yeah, it's a lot more controlled. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of interested in, in this space particularly because I'm, you know, I'm I'm managing some teams that are focused both on the AEC side of things, but also on the manufacturing side. So we're, we're, we're building digital twin technology across those two industries. And as there's convergence between those industries, um, there's opportunities, of course, for one to influence the other and sort of this common technology to be to be deployed in, in these environments. But yeah, I do think you're, you're quite right that this, um, you know, controlling the the complexity of, of the problem by putting it into more of a manufacturing environment is, you know, a, a big opportunity. 
So you're also a bit of a thought leader when it comes to technology and the latest emerging tech. So where would our listeners be able to find out more about your work and some of its resources? I know you have a, a very interesting blog available as well. Yeah. So if, if you just connect with me on LinkedIn or, or, or on Twitter, you can find me at KeanW, um, on both of those systems, or you can visit my blog at kenw.com. That's where most of the content is is created, and then I sort of share it through through social media. Um, then you know you'll certainly find out about the things that I'm thinking about. I mean, I, I I struggle a bit with the term thought leader. I'd love to be more visionary, but I'm not a very. I don't find myself very. Um, good at predicting the future. You'll probably find out as you come to my blog that I spend just as much time talking about uh, 1980s computing technology than I do things <laughs> yeah. in the future. So, um, but yes, you're, anyway, I'm, I'd be very, very happy to to connect with listeners of Beyond BIM and, and please do, you know, let me know if you have any questions related to what I've talked about today. Thank you for tuning in to listen to Beyond BIM podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more from our latest episodes, then you can visit Beyond BIM, which is available on SoundCloud and iTunes and all the other major podcast providers.